the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one mark Dewey is here he was here to tell us all about the chinook helicopter and his experiences in the canadian armed forces but now he's on the round table and he's in for jerry agar this week while jerry takes a vacation scott reed cdv political commentator former advisor to prime minister paul martin and deb hutton my new drinking buddy from a deck at uh, Young and Egg is here as well, former advisor to two premiers. That's a nice place, Deb Hutton. It's good to come to North Toronto. There, well, we can meet Scott next time. It's not all that far. I live at Young and Egg. I guess my invitation got lost in all the traffic. All right, let's keep <laughs> moving here. Um, let, let's actually start. I think, Deb, you were the only one who heard the interview with Anthony Fury, but I'd be curious about your thoughts on it, uh, recognizing always that you're working on Anna Bailao's campaign. But I find it interesting that Anthony Fury, I, in, those who love him, love him a lot, and then other people... People think he's the devil. Yeah, listen, Anthony has, uh, I think, legitimate right-wing credentials when it comes to his beliefs and his platform. Uh, my challenge with Anthony is that, first of all, I don't believe he could ever win at this stage in his his life in terms of his career experience. And secondly, I really believe we need somebody at City Hall who actually can get some things done because they know uh, how to get things done at City Hall, which is my biggest issue with a number of our candidates. And that includes the front runner because she's been gone from City Hall for how long? She's a 40-year career politician, but honestly, I think is still kind of back in the 90s when she had her groove on. Uh, quick thoughts, and I'll start with Scott on this one. Joe Warmington wrote a column. It's in the print edition of The Sun today, effectively going after Olivia Chow. Why is she talking about wading pools? Which she was. It seemed like the candidates all turned to fairly trivial items this weekend. But Scott, I would wager that candidates can multitask. Just because they're talking about wading pools doesn't mean they don't have a plan for the budget. Yeah, it's a disingenuous premise for a column. But listen, here's the real point. Buckle up. Uh, this is just the first. It isn't like what we're seeing now is this last week. You're going to see all kinds of desperate pot shots at Chow, the front runner, who, for what it's worth, is not my preferred candidate either. But you, what we're really seeing is this is the sun. The Toronto sun for the next uh, three and a half years is going to be going hammer and tong at Chow. And, you know, if you if you want a lot of stuff done in the city, well, don't hold your breath, because as Deb points out, Chow isn't going to command a majority of council. I don't think a lot's going to get done. I don't think she's going to be very talented at building coalitions. But if you want conflict and contest, boy, oh boy, watch out. Because the sun is going to be pounding her on its front pages and in Joe's columns and every other column all day, every day for the next three and a half years. So I guess it'll just be uh, kind of entertaining to sit back and watch the uh, UFC match. Okay. Well, Mark Tui, you used to head up the sun. Do you have, uh, you want right of reply? Yeah, it'll be glory days for the sun. I mean, uh, the <laughs> star is going to have a hard time figuring out what to do because uh, they tend to lean left of uh, center and Olivia Chow is far left of center when she, when she, when she had experience, I mean, Deb is right. She's been out of the game for a long time. I don't think either she or Mark Saunders even want to be mayor. I think they were kind of drafted into this. The NDP needed a champion. Olivia Chow had nothing better to do. Uh, and so she's kind of picked up other people's pieces of policies. There's five NDP members of city council. I mean, officially they're not uh, there as NDP members, but in reality they are. And they believe that it is about to become 
amazing for them down there. And I don't think it's going to be. I think they're going to have a slog. I think Scott is right. I think Olivia Chow will be a three-quarter term mayor, and uh, she will be the person who carries responsibility for a whole bunch of things that are going to get really ugly down there, policy-wise, tax-wise, uh, public, uh, you know, the whole public infrastructure stuff. She is going to be the person who ends up wearing perhaps the greatest disaster ever to befall the city. And the next person, the real candidates for mayor who aren't in this race, you know, they're going to show up three years from now and kind of ride in on a white horse saying, I will fix the world. Okay, so you honestly think this is like the famous Robert Redford movie, The Candidate, where they say you won, and he says, now what? Yeah, no, I, I, well, like, in many cases, like, none of these people have had a chance to really put their plans together other than on the fly. And I was a guy who put the plan together for a candidate, Rob Ford, and I know that they don't have access to all of the information that they need to, to really nail anything down. They have to be able to talk about waiting pools and about TTC violence and about budgets and about intergovernmental relations, and there's just not enough time to do all of that stuff with the limited volunteers and resources that they have. So, you know, it helps to have had some recent experience there, so you know what the latest is, but none of them really have fully formed plans. That'll have to happen once they're in. Earlier this morning on the morning brief, Tim Hudak said even he felt claustrophobic just considering what it would be like to be trapped in that submarine on the bottom, we presume, on the bottom of the ocean. Uh, but Deb Hutton, it's just what a horrifying scenario. And then the next question, I guess, is if you're going to engage in fabulous adventures, sometimes things are going to go wrong. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, no risk, no reward kind of approach. And I'm sure we all have what we think is our risky behavior in our lives. I think the worst I've done is jump out of a plane a half dozen or so times. Um, and I wouldn't do it today. With but a parachute. I, you know, with a parachute, okay. exactly. Uh, but I, I haven't done it since I've had kids. I mean, I just, I think there are some things that you do when you're younger. The part that amazes me is that this is not a young group of folks that is down there, and I think it has to be horrifying, but you have to know the risks when you do it. Yes, yeah, Scott Reed, Elizabeth Renzetti was uh, tweeting out a short while ago. She said, nobody cares about hundreds of migrants drowning at sea, but everybody loves a bunch of rich people, including a billionaire trapped at the bottom of it. Yeah, uh, okay. But the reason we're transfixed by this is that it's the Titanic. They're on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. It's a horrifying nightmare that we can all visualize. Uh, and, you know, this is for, this actually, you know, kind of goes right into the heartbeat of my own horror show. Like, this is, to me, this is the, like, I, I am claustrophobic. And uh, so I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about them there in the dark, waiting, uh, smelling the person's breath next to them because they are six inches separating one another. Like I, it's So it's terrifying. I really, really, really hope this turns into some Disney movie where they're able to find them and haul them up and save them at the last moment. But I fear that won't be the case. And speaking, by the way, of claustrophobia and Tim Hudak, um, uh, Deb, any updates on the state of your marriage? <laughs> oh, just a little yeah. joke, a little teeny joke. Come on, you can't hate the messenger. Come on. Oh, it's a good All thing right, you Scott, like you're going to be other. waiting a long time for that. Uh, drink <laughs> oh, it's just a little invite. joke. Okay, yeah, Mark Tui, I'm with Scott Reed. I don't even like being in an, ele in an elevator. Yeah, I don't. I'm not particularly afraid of uh, of being in small spaces, but I am particularly afraid of being stuck at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, you know, in a tiny place. I mean, you got to imagine the size of this uh, vessel is probably a little bit larger than
than a Ford excursion. And, uh, you know, seven or eight people crammed into a large SUV. Uh, something's obviously gone wrong, so the power's out, so maybe they don't have lights, maybe they don't have heat. It gets very cold very fast underwater. be very humid in there. Unlike a submarine, they don't make their own air, yeah. so it's what's in the bottle, and they don't go back and forth to the harbor by themselves. They need a tender vessel on the surface. So uh, scary times, and I think the fact that this is this is something that doesn't happen very often, so naturally it's transfixed us. Sadly, uh, you know, immigrants in boats uh, drowning in the Mediterranean happens far too often, and so it's really not an exceptional event. Uh, is this the end of Maxime Bernier? He says no. But honestly, uh, Deb Hutton, I'll start with you. If Maxime Bernier, the leader of his party, places worse than an almost anonymous candidate in this riding in Manitoba, surely he's running out of time. You know, I always believe that the most skilled politicians, the best politicians, are the ones who know when it's time to go. Clearly, that is not the case with Maxime. It's time to hang up your skates, buddy. It's over. Mark Tui, I said on Twitter earlier today that he's kind of like the Carrie Lake of Canadian politics. She's the woman who lost the gubernatorial race in Arizona, and she won't go away. Well, I think, I mean, Maxime is a guy who's got a lot. He's a smart guy. He's got a lot of charisma. Uh, you know, this People's Party of Canada is nothing but a vanity project. So, But it, he is the party. The party is him. It's not like he is going to fire himself if he doesn't want to. But you got to think about it, too. The party has the ability to raise funds. He's got charisma he can go out there and raise funds from nutcases across the can across the country and that would keep him in employment so you know unless he's got something better to do i think he's going to stick around at this just as a means of making a living yeah scott reed i guess he's very popular with the small number of people who always have a copy of atlas shrugged in their back pocket yeah Those that's right pockets. and <laughs> there's you know and and an anti-vax thing and a bunch of there's a constellation of kind of ideas and weirdnesses that bring those folks together and you know max bernier to the national media they'll declare that he's over now but the truth of the matter is he's going to hang around and he's going to be there and i think polyev overwhelmingly overwhelms him as a political entity because of where polyev positions himself on the political spectrum but it doesn't mean that they won't get four or five percent and a bunch of ridings. And depending on which ridings and depending on where the issue set is come the next election, that four or five percent in a variety of ridings could be very consequential in a rogue conservative vote and be the margin of uh, first past the post in a ton of ridings. So I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't bet the farm that Max Bernier is going to matter a ton in the next election. But I wouldn't say this morning that it means that he's over and done. TDSB has introduced its first school, which has gender, uh, it does not have gender-specific washrooms. Now, there are some 50 schools that actually have standalone washrooms that anybody can use if a student is uncomfortable in a gendered washroom. Uh, but Mark Tui, I'll start with you on this one. This is just one washroom, all stalls, no urinals. Some of the parents are upset. Some of them think it's some great triumph of the modern uh, times. Yeah, it's something that they did a year ago, so we're now kind of hearing the feedback of how it went and some of the concerns are predictable some of them are things that I probably wouldn't have thought of I don't know why the stalls don't go all the way down to the floor on public washrooms everywhere yes. uh, for everyone they do in most European countries because it's just obvious but uh, I think the problem too is that 
Washrooms in schools are not used just for, the, you know, going to the bathroom. They're a place where, you know, some kids hang out far too often and social activities occur that probably shouldn't. Uh, so it's it's a challenge. But, you know, you couple in different uh, practices. If you have to pray uh, during school and you have to wash beforehand, then you need a place to do that. So just having open uh, sort of ablution areas separate from private, you know, bathroom stalls isn't necessarily the answer. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. It's 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 a bit of a sticky wicket, as they say, unless you just have a whole bunch of like home style bathrooms. But then you're gonna yeah. need a lot of cleaning because somehow boys don't know how to lift the seat. <laughs> Deb Hutton, your thoughts? Yeah, I when I think about the amount of vaping that goes on, not just in our high schools, but in our public schools, in the washrooms, when I think about the bullying that happens in our washrooms, and my girls both go to great schools, but it happens, I just think that this makes the whole thing worse. I have no problem with the notion of, uh, you know, gender neutral stalls in some form, but I really think putting boys and girls, particularly um, in sort of enclosed spaces, is just adding to the problems that we already have in our school washrooms. Okay, Scott Reed, last thoughts, 30 seconds. Um, I think this is one of those things that in 10 years we'll look back and go, I forgot that why this was such a big deal. I just don't think it's going to be that huge a factor. I think the biggest challenge is that Brownsville Station is now going to have to go back into the studio and record smoking in the boys, girls, slash others room. <laughs> Thank you very much. Scott Reed, Mark Tui, and Deb Hutton. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.